Excellent. The um, server server costs just went up actually by six dollars a month because everything uh, everything that yeah because everything is going up. up. Yeah. Yeah. We should. Are we going to transition into the gripe about the cost of living podcast? Because <laughs> every podcast <laughs> has become. And who's buying a PSVR two? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 96 of the Player 2 Pixelcast. My name is Matt Hughes, and I'm hosting this evening's festivities. Uh, I am joined by two wonderful people, the same old hats that you hear every week almost. You can't get rid of us, we're all here. It's Tim first off the bat. Yeah, hey, um, I just finished typing in that little timestamp thing in me, which, you know, because <laughs> I'm the one who's to deal with that shit. <laughs> yes, that's why we pay you the big bucks, right? Yeah, that, 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 that. Well, it's 100 episodes in, and I've been given a total of one or two game codes that I haven't had to pay for for a thing to talk about in the podcast. That is... I, I try, I try. That is a total really earning, earning potential I mean, of the Pixel Cast so far. I mean, depending depending on which game those, which games those are, that is almost 100 bucks. It's Maybe almost. Maybe more. Almost. <laughs> Maybe more. It's more if and we're talking Australian bucks. Anyway, yes, that well, other that's it. The other voice that you hear uh, chirping in there is Ken, of course. Ken, how are you? Nah, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> that was a long. That was that was the most Aussie all right imaginable. Like that pause between the ah, uh, all right. Yeah, it was you pretty it. up. You there. sold it. Yeah. Tonight, uh, we're actually decided to talk about. Uh, some of our shared multiplayer experiences and by multiplayer we mean sitting on a couch with a whole bunch of people playing games not uh necessarily playing online we're going to avoid that uh territory this evening and there is an ulterior motive to this theme which i'll get to at the end of the podcast i think i but know what it is before we get there before tim ruins the surprise tim yeah you've been playing toem i have no idea what that is um it's a Tiny little, almost aggressively pleasant game that came out um, mid last year-ish, I believe, by a Swedish team, I think Swedish, called Something We Made, which is also just an adorable little name. I want to describe it as colourful, which is kind of an interesting thing since the game is basically grayscale the whole way through. Um, but it's a flat-looking 3D world. It's actually pretty cool the first time you rotate the camera and like, oh yeah, the reason why everything is so angular is because it is polygonal, except for the characters, which are um, very Paper Mario-esque. Okay. But it's a simple, friendly fetch quest RPG, I guess would be the easiest way to describe it. You basically start, you wake up, and you're just kind of like this cute little hand-drawn critter. Um, and you get a camera, and your grandma tells you, oh, there's this amazing thing on the top of a mountain, which I've forgotten what it's called. You have to see it. It's a big deal. You have to see it and take a photo. And the entire game is just you helping people out by doing various camera-related things. Um, so it actually has to be 3D, because you switch into first-person view and, like, look around. And some of that may be a case of, oh, I want to see proof that this animal exists, and then you get the animal, and you find the photo, and you bring it back. But you get other things like different sounds, like flash sounds or things that may kind of startle birds to move out of your way as well as part of the progress. But you're basically given kind of reward cards as if you were in a... Um... Lost you for the second yes, there, Tim. you did, and I kept to talking normally because my recording will still pick it up. <laughs> um, oh. 
but you're basically given um like a town reward card just imagine like a just i said the game is aggressively pleasant Imagine yeah. if, like, a Starbucks reward card, except for doing nice things for people around town, and you get enough stamps, and there are more than enough stamps in each area you go to, and that will give you a free bus ride to the next area. Okay. So, just the the nice simulator. Yeah, the, the, nice the, 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 the friendly person with a camera before smartphone days, I guess. Yeah, cool. But it's, I don't know, I, it's, it's super short. I played it over the course of a weekend. Um, you Google and it's I and I did this when I was going through like the um old kind of what have I just gotten the PlayStation PlayStation Plus backlog because it's like oh everything I've been playing has kind of been really dark and like heavy and serious or whatever like I need something colorful. Again, colorful is a weird word for a game that is very much grayscale, but the personality is colorful. Um, and Google's like yeah this one's like three hours and I was like perfect. Um, and my end of game save said two hours and fifty eight minutes. So that is, unless you want to go and die close, unless you want to go and do like a whole bunch of extra stuff, which you can. Yeah, it's pretty damn on the money. Yeah, cool. Um, is sorry, you were on PlayStation? Did you say? Yeah, or, I'm playing or, the PS5 version. Yeah. I believe it. I assume there's also a PS4 version. It's not. This is not pushing the hardware to any extreme. Um, it does look <laughs> really nice though. Um. Switch version would probably, assuming it's optimized fine, be a really good Switch game, and I'm almost certainly on PC as well. Yeah, yeah cool. it's on Steam. Okay, cool. Um, I yeah, I, I'm having trouble pitching it to be honest. I, I have vaguely remember hearing about it. I from think a press it was release, two or but... three months ago that it was like one of the yeah. monthly games in PlayStation Plus. Okay, yep. That that's probably where I remember hearing it from. Um, but it, don't um, don't but, sleep you know, on it. For... And it's short, like, it's easy to knock yeah. over in a weekend. Easy to, easy to get your platinum trophy for. Um, I don't know, I don't ever, ever do that. But ever chase that? If you've been Halloween... Yeah, he'll if know. <laughs> yeah, if you've been Halloween gaming, <laughs> and you kind of need to pull back from the Resident Evils and whatever, then this is a pretty nice little palate cleanser. Or, or there's, there's something you play 20 minutes of after you've played Resident Evil before you go to bed. Before you go to bed, yeah. just kind of nicer yeah. dreams, yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, then. Ken, you want to talk about something you've been looking forward to for a very long time <laughs> and have been very, very clear in your intentions that this is your most anticipated game of the year, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it's the game of the year of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very subtle over here. Yeah. I mean, I've made no, you know, you know, I haven't, I haven't been subtle about my love of the Vermintide games, right? Yep. And One of those free on Steam right now. You've literally just reminded me. Yeah, uh, it finished two. over the weekend. I think. Ah, shit. I think weekend. you might be able to claim it today. Like yeah. today is the absolute last day. I'm not sure to give it. It time is. Differences. So I get it, everybody. But people listening to this have also been reminded. I am very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the sadder point is, I'll probably never play it. This is just going to become cheap for my. Yeah. So there, there are two things. I mean, I, I've always liked the, you know, Left for Dead, the formula of games, the four players co-op versus hordes of enemies. Like that's that's a that's an entertaining uh, format for me. Um, I loved Vermintide. Um, and also people who know me also know I love the uh, Warhammer 40k lore. Not necessarily the tabletop game because I'm, I don't have time to build and paint miniatures. Um, yeah. But I've always enjoyed the lore. Um, 
it's 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 always been an interesting sort of take on the sci-fi world i think you know on the surface level i've i've said it before on surface levels you might think like space marines you know big like do bros but it's actually like when you start digging it a little bit deeper it's like okay actually there's a bit more that is a little bit more nuanced a little bit more layered they've taken some interesting uh ways to to explain all the lore and the magic and the mysticism that's in the game so love the 40k lore love um four-player co-op pve games love vermintide love left for dead dark tide it's just you know this long lead up is is up yeah. to, is, it's just me saying dark tide looking forward to it <laughs> yeah. spent a lot of time sort of like building on existing uh precepts and existing concepts and just adding to it in a way that in my mind makes sense yeah yeah the melee weapons make sense the the way that they've um there's far more customization in terms of the classes there's sort of four main four main classes and then each class has three subclasses that's that's a continuation of um what they've done in vermintide 2 compared to number one um but it feels like there's far more um things to personalize those um those each of your characters to yourself one of the interesting things which i thought was very interesting for a for a game of this sort is when you create a character you actually also have to create your backstory oh cool hey. like the backstory doesn't actually add much it, i think it probably affects the way you speak and the way you interact with other characters I've like definitely sort of seen this in other games but i don't know if i've seen it in the kind of four-player co-op. That's what. That's what I mean. Like this type of like in this type of like four-player PVE horde game, it's not a very common thing for you to actually like when you create a character, you not only create what they look like, but you actually go through like th- I was born on this planet and my childhood was like this and I was raised like this and it's just all it does is just like you're clicking through and you, you're selecting these like story bits it, I don't think it adds anything else besides flavor but it's like, it's yeah. just an interesting take I, I it's a cool how thing to add I think it is I'm, I'm curious what they expect from the play base I, it makes it almost sound like they're expecting like a small group of very dedicated players as opposed to like yeah. a huge yeah because most people I, I, are not going to look at what anybody else has said there or even bother setting it up for themselves. Oh, oh like. it's going to be so weird because, like, literally, I, I, pick, I pick the class and it's like, which planet were you, were you uh, born on? And I'm not super deep into the lore. I'm, I know enough, right, mm. to, to not, be, not be a complete stranger. But it's like, there's five planets. I recognize one name and the rest mean nothing to me. Um, but if you actually take time, it will just explain what, what each, each sort of character part means you know like so it's interesting this character creation a little bit more involved than you would expect in a game of this type um there's a lot more weapon customization apparently there's not a lot in in the beta but apparently as you move up you know there's different grades of weapons like any sort of loot shooter there's your your base level game and your base level weapon and then your rares and your uniques and your you know extremely high-end weapons that's customization um, you know, you can customize the way your character looks. Um, and you go in, like I said, if you've played a four player co-op horde PVE game, you, you know what to expect. You go through the, you mm. go through the, um, 
the stage, there's four players. This game throws in bots if you can't fill up your team, which is welcome, which is quite nice. Um, and so far, the bots seem relatively clever enough to keep up, so that's good. Yep. And you just sort of blast away at enemies. Especially um, if your like, gaming group of friends is like you and two others or something, and you just need... That's right. You just need one more, yeah. Or well, if the, it's... Bot, the bots in Back for Blood were, were atrocious, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Back for Blood was such a... Not disappointment's too strong a word for it. It's just it's not what I wanted. Yeah. It's a bit too much. I think it went too much into the like the cards and the thing and the this thing and the that thing and there's like there's twelve other things. I think there is always a fine balance between like giving you enough to sink your teeth into but not so much that it overwhelms. Yeah. Um and I think Back for Blood sort of leans a little bit too much on the on one end of that scale. Um Arctide seems to have, you know, seems to have come to a nice balance, and I'm really enjoying the the uh, focus on ranged combat because, like I said, in Vermintide one and two, it was very focused on melee. Uh, the range was more of like keeping your distance, managing distance with enemies, but you ultimately want to go into melee range. Um, there's a bit more of a balance between range and melee and for Dark Tide. The weapons seem interesting. Um, I have to say, <clears throat> the two two favorite things. Like one of the character classes is this massive dude, right? Uh, the Ogryn, massive. And when you're playing in game, it's it's hilarious because your character's sort of viewpoint is much higher than everybody else's. So as you're walking along the map, you're looking at all your teammates, and they are probably half a body shorter shorter than you are. Oh wow. Yeah, no. Nice. And and your perspective is very different. Um, so that's one, you know, there's a sense of like size at least. And then secondly, the Ogryn is supposed to be within the law is extremely stupid. So he, he the Ogryn is so dumb that he doesn't know how to use grenades. So <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> All right. So yeah, when nice. he so when he picks up a grenade, which is a very rare resource in the game, and he chucks it, he doesn't pull the pin. He just chucks it at the enemy, and it does nothing. Like, well, it could hit him on the noggin, and then yeah, they can no, throw it back hit... at you with the pin pulled. So that's... <laughs> if you hit someone with it, it does a uh, does a chunk of damage, but it doesn't explode. It doesn't do what you expect a grenade to do. And if it's just like you just chuck it into a horde of people, it just fizzles. Like nothing happens. Yeah, and it's a bit of a joke um, because the organ is so dumb, and I'm like. This is really dumb, but also really amusing. Yeah, no. <laughs> kind of annoying the first couple of times until like it clicks with you to like. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was picking up the grenade. I'm like throwing it. I'm like nothing happens, and I'm running towards grenades and taking them off my teammates who can <laughs> actually properly. Am I wrong? Why isn't this working? Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, that's go. Let's go. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so it comes out in December, doesn't it? Or uh, no, it comes out on, out on the anniversary of the Dreamcast launch. Oh, that doesn't help game. me. November 30th. Okay, no, no, cool. What, yeah. <laughs> if it comes out on November 30th, yeah. but if you pre-order now, you get to go into the open, you get to go into the limited beta that opens up November 17th. Right. 
So, and it's also coming to Game Pass and PC Game Pass. So yeah. if you've got that, then you might want to just do that. Instead. So let me tell you what. I've got November 17th sort of like um, marked out on the calendar. So Just that's a holiday. <laughs> Sorry, boss. I'm sick today. <laughs> well, duty right. calls. Duty calls. Duty calls. I have to save the space system from weird enemies. Um... So for me, I've been playing Mario and Rabbids, the latest one, a Spark of Hope or Sparks of Hope or something about Sparks, something about Hope, you know. Uh, and it's significantly different, I guess, to the first one. Um, it looks surprisingly set apart. It is. It's still still a turn-based uh, strategy game, but it handles handles things quite a bit different. The first game was very traditional in that sort of genre with a grid base and, you know, Overwatch moves. And essentially, it was a bit, you know, my first XCOM sort of setup. Whereas this has kind of run with things and kind of set up its own uh, strategy gameplay. Um, Does there's a story like there, there's but there's a doesn't... grid that you just can't see? No, not at all. Um, so what it, what each character has is kind of like this circle area where movement is free. So you can move as much as you want within that area. You can adjust, you can do things, you can go and um, dash and bash into enemies and do them a bit of damage. You can, for example, if there's a, a one of the bombs, if you dash it, it'll set it off and you can then throw it at the enemies. And that doesn't count as an attack move. But once you attack, you are locked in position. So... You've got to think of that when you're doing the strategy. So you can run around, you can do all these things, you can heal people, you can, uh, you know, do whatever. But as soon as you attack, as soon as you try and hit the enemies with your attack move, you are locked in position. So you've got to remember that. So you don't want to do it, obviously, out of cover and those sort of things, because mm-hmm. those sort of th- uh, strategy elements still hold true. The other thing that mixes that up, there is a thing called a team jump. So you can extend your range in the map by running up to your teammate and jumping off their head Wasn't and then you something get to... similar to that in the original it was a little bit but what they've done in this is kind of meld these two sims together so you jump on the head and you shoot across the map and you've got you can upgrade this by the way but you've got a certain amount of time you'll float until you land and then you can move a little bit again before you um shoot or hit or smash or whatever um so that means that you can cover quite a lot of the map quite quickly and, and using a bit of uh, adjusting between... And and you can switch between characters. So if you've only moved a character, you can switch between to another character and then switch back to that previous character and keep going. So, like I said, as long as they're only in the movement phase, you've got unlimited time to do whatever. You, you're not locked in position. Um, as soon as you shoot or whatever, you're locked. And, and that's the end of your turn. Um, but even then, if you shoot and you've still got an action point left, you can heal or use an item or use run a special move. Cover. Yeah, yeah, you can't run behind cover. You can't move. Once oh. you shoot, you can't move. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 it's quite different to an XCOM experience while still holding that kind of turn-based strategy roots there. And, and this system I found is a little bit more forgiving, um, which makes sense, you know, mm. giving, given the um, the characters it's based on. Uh, but at the same time, it, it opens up some really cool strategies that uh, you once you know the characters and, and their different Rabbit specialties. Equivalents. 
Yes, yeah. Um, that's still as annoying as ever, but they're, they're kind of... They're a bit more charming in this than, than out-and-out obnoxious than that, that they were in the first one. Uh, but they've all got their own strengths and weaknesses. You know, one's a healer. Mario's kind of the all-rounder, as always. There's a new character that's got this kind of spinning sword that can hit multiple enemies at once. Um, you know, there's all these cool little things uh, that getting to know. And you, you build a team of three. Um, and I've found that I've kind of stuck with my team of three that I've built, that I've that I've enjoyed using and haven't really touched anyone else um, because I find these three provide me with... I've got a healer, I've got Mario because he does an Overwatch uh, special move and and then I've got this new uh, rabbit that has the spinny sword which which does lots of damage to it, especially to the enemies that rush at you. I love that you say spinny um, sword and I can kind of imagine exactly what you mean. Yeah, it shoots out, spins, comes back like a boomerang, yeah. Um so yeah, I've, I've kind of set up my team and I'm really, really enjoying, uh, going through it all. There's, uh, this kind of overworld situation where there's basic puzzles and things to solve and things to unlock and there's, there's skill point upgrades and all those sort of things you would expect. How, how um, is the overworld like? There's something that I liked a lot about the original was like that. It is, it's quite had cool. a lot of character. They do. And there's lots of little puzzles. Um, Lots of, uh, you know, slightly out of the box solutions to some of the puzzles, um, which, which are always cool. Uh, there's, you know, and, and they give you different forms of currency or whatever that, that you unlock. There's little mini games of, you know, Mario style, like catching fish or, or whatever. Um, the map quite often changes halfway through. So each, each map you initially turn up and there's like this big darkness pool that's your, your initial goal. Um, in the first one, it was at a beach, and it was always raining all the time because this darkness was there. And in the second one, you're in the second level, you're at a snow peak, and everything's like frozen solid. You can't really go off the beaten path. Hmm. But once you beat that that kind of bigger first goal of the map, then the rest of the map kind of opens up, like the ice melts a bit, or the the rain stops, and you can get to different things. And you know, so uh, it, the map becomes bigger and bigger. And then there's fast travel points across the map to if you don't want to run across there's little collectibles everywhere and little enemies if you just want random battles they're always there or you can avoid them you know it's up to you you do get xp for doing them but sometimes you just couldn't be bothered so you just go around them um it's quite a, a an interesting map situation and lots of little quests and side quests to do and it's it's quite the meaty game i'm up to the third just up to the third world now i've played it for probably eight hours i guess so How many of um, those run an aeroplane? Uh, about five of them were on an aeroplane. So. I remember the first one being at way way back when things were quote-unquote normal. Like I think it was yeah. between Japan and London. I played a lot of that first one and found it to be a perfect. Yeah. It's really good. It suits handheld so well. Um, you don't. It's, it's the sort of game where you don't need that fine uh, precision movement and things like that. So it, it suits the handheld mode really well and it, obviously it's made well it's made by ubisoft um in conjunction with nintendo and they've obviously you know made sure that it's been very optimized for the switch so there's no issues at all the loading times when you go between the main maps can be a little long but really that's a pretty small uh price because once you're in there it's 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 all pretty quick and instantaneous even when you're switching between you know inside and outside or a cave and outside or whatever um so yeah it, it's it's really 
really cool and and I like that it's not just more of the same. They've really tried to mix it up and add something different to it. So it actually works quite well. Like it suddenly it doesn't suddenly make the original obsolete um mm. because they're quite different. Uh so uh, I thought I thought that's pretty brave and and it's it's come out really well and, it, and it's hard to fault the charm of it all. I mean it's it's certainly not as deep as XCOM but it's not trying to be as deep as XCOM. You don't have to be as deep as that to be good. No, you don't. For a lot of people, myself included, it actually kind of helps to make something that is polished and still balanced. Yeah. And, you know... And and without the kind of super depth that you you really... Unless you're playing on super easy, you really need... And that 99% hit chance with the shotgun and point-blank bullshit. Yeah. So, in this game, you're guaranteed hit if they're in the open... And there's a 50, same as the first one. So uh, I think it's a fifty percent chance if they're half cover. Something. Yeah, yeah. So you know, getting flanking and all that's you know, is important to get a clean shot. Uh, there's also uh, special moves where you can like uh, use these sparks that you find. There's a kind of rabid cross stars. Nah, you those know, the stars sparks Mario. of hope. They are. Um, so one, for example sets out a big uh, explosion of gas that uh, will affect anyone within a certain radius of you. You know, one will make your dash hit people with electricity. One will turn your bullets into fire, which are, you know, better against certain enemies. And there's all those kind of elemental sort of video gamey tropes in there that, that always work well in this sort of situation. You know, using the using the right weapon at the right time can, you know, sometimes mean the difference between a, a win or a, or a fail. Hmm. Um, there's also a very scalable difficulty, difficulty settings, you know, so if you don't want to bash your head against the wall too much, you can drop it right down and it's still still fun enough to be challenging without, you know, the ultra difficulty, but then you can crank it right up too if you want to do that. So if you're an XCOM veteran that likes the challenge, then that's there too, so... It's it's a really well put together package and and uh, I mean if you've got a switch it's it's and you you've got any sort of inkling towards strategy it's it's certainly a, a really worthy purchase. Unless you've played unless you still haven't played Fire Emblem, in which case get on that. Um, <laughs> I have not. There you you should get on that. <laughs> Three houses before the new one comes out. That was a really good game. Anyway, I'm distracting us. You're distracting us. That's all right. We're going to go and have a drink. Uh, Tim's going to find some music for us. I don't know what theme he's going to find for us this week. Thank Co-op. you for not pigeonholing Co-op. me in advance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> NBA Jam. There we go. NBA Jam. I think I've theme. used like a couple of remixes uh, of the main okay. NBA Jam uh, well, theme before. Maybe not. Uh, and we're going to come back and talk about couch multiplayer gaming. Back soon.
Welcome back, everybody, to the uh, Pixel Cast chat for this evening, today, lunchtime, wherever the hell you're listening to us. Uh, we're here talking about uh, multiplayer co-op, multiplayer uh, couch co-op, multiplayer on the couch, all those things we do with friends and family and, and non-gamers and that uh, around a television with a crowd and possibly beers and pizzas and, and things like that, because it's it's something of a lost uh kind of joy these days well, you know partly because we've been through a chronic fucking pandemic where people couldn't see each other but also because uh, games like that are seemingly few and far between uh with everything being multiplayer focused um with you know and there are obvious reasons for that but it's a shame that that joy has kind of gone away. So we thought we would talk about uh, experiences of our own with with these multiplayer games, the games that that we love that also you know drag the non gamers in our lives in to play or or uh, you know encourage people to to pick up a controller and and swear at at, at each other and have a bit of fun. Uh, and it don't necessarily have to be a specific multiplayer game either. So they're just games that share in a community of people really well. So Tim, what are your yeah. kind of immediate thoughts uh, when we talk about this topic? I was pretty happy when you said NBA Jam before we even got into yeah. the. <laughs> it's it's one of the first things I always think of is NBA yeah. Jam. Uh, the thing that like it really like kind of rams at home for me like that, like that double connection there is actually when I was um kind of just drinking by the river with Cam Shea, who's like the head of IGNAU when he was over, kind of mm. near where I live, covering Bit Summit, and talking about like memories of NBA Jam a lot. But then it turned out he didn't even know who Stephen Curry was, so you can be completely divorced. Of basketball, yep. Of it, but this game, it's just so much fun. And it's still, like, actually, it's probably been a few years, but I remember, um, actually, way back when I first wrote for Hyper, which, you know, in itself is a long time ago now. But at that point, also, NBA Jam was very, very old by that point anyway. And I did a retro, and I did, like, a retro piece on it. And I just left the Mega Drive plugged in for, like, two weeks (laughs) after I had written that piece. Playing it, yeah. I was playing it by myself mostly, but, like, if someone else came in the room, because it's just so easy to, like, just pick up and go nuts and it's fu- and it's not terribly balanced but you know it I guess a lot of the pick up and play be. stuff doesn't need to be no it's why blue shells in my and the, the game has a lot of it has a lot of kind of cheat background cheating going on like um, if you're miles ahead you'll miss three pointers all the time like the mm. game does that on purpose whereas the team behind will make three pointers I so it's very specifically um the Chicago Bulls cannot hit a game win against the Detroit Pistons. I need to check exactly what the teams are. But, like, something to do with the fandom in the development. Like, oh, right. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, too, because there's that long-running Chicago-Detroit thing going on. But, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. That's cool. And all the secret characters that everyone knew, like... Bill Clinton you got was around like, the school. Um... I never got them uh, on the console, but like at my local roller skating arena, I guess yeah, it's like Jan- January thirteenth. Uh, I, I think don't remember specific dates. It's just no SNO. January thirteenth was one. Um, yeah, I remember that. You could be the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You could. Yeah, there was like, but these characters were unlocked on it, and you couldn't get. We didn't know how to make them go away again. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These were like just the default characters on the arcade. Oh right, machine. so like, something, something's yeah locked in on the arcade machine locally. Yeah, that was that was always such a cool experience. Definitely. Ken, what about you? What do you think of when you when you think a crowd of people hanging around a TV or an arcade machine playing together? Um, 
it just apparently Halo Infinite split screen co op was cancelled in uh, yeah, that's yeah. a huge bummer. Yep. And that's what I, <clears throat> that's what immediately where my mind went to because it's like local co op Halo is an institution. Yeah. Honestly, first person shooters in general are surprisingly good co op games. Um Yeah. But played Halo. Most... Halo, yeah, was kind of like Halo especially the first three it. games was yeah. just so good in co op. It was just like co op, local, split screen, on the couch with a friend, um um playing side by side, literally side by side, because I think in was it Halo three, you could pick whether the screen split like vertically, vertically or, or horizontally, yeah. Finally finally made sense of widescreen TVs. Like they had that option back in like the old CRT days as well, and if you did like the um vertical split, <laughs> it's like you had no field of vision. No. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah. So that is that's always a treasure memory um me and a buddy of mine um co-oping halo on a borrowed xbox um, <laughs> yeah the borrowed xbox memories as well well this is this was borrowed like because my sister my sister back then was was an editor of a of a tech magazine in singapore um and so he was able to get a preview set oh this is even whoa Ooh. that would have been extra and exciting deep cut yeah, 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 yeah. And we had a. She held it. She could have it for two days before she had to return it to Microsoft. Um. So we had two days. Well, effectively one night, and so that's the other memory. Like when trying to finish as much as you could. Finish as as much as, as you as you could. We did in the one night. We like just started at like nine in the nine in the evening, and then finished. Didn't go to bed. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> finish some time in the morning and just went at it. It's just, but that that memory, Halo, it's synonymous. It's an institution, and it's such a such a real shame that yeah, Infinite is not doing that. No, uh, I know, Huso. I know you're saying co-op now, but I think when you put this initial pitch out, it was more just like yeah, local, it is multiplayer. It's, it doesn't. Have I think to be one of the yeah. fondest memories remembered game nights in my life, especially since the pitch you said also said something about like cola and pizza, which and this was yeah, like, yeah full-on, I think, like, mid-university years where I did not have an Xbox, but a lot of people I knew did. Um, mm. But I did have a TV, so I contributed to the TV to this, like, all-nighter of, like, just a friend's house with TVs and, diff- like, literally four TVs. A LAN party. Then, like, we had the Xbox LAN party, and it's just fucking... Wild. It is so much more fun like that. Yeah. yeah. I will yeah. Ne- I don't care how much more screen real estate or how much smoother it is, I will never have as much fun playing a shooter online as I did there. Yeah, and that's it, I think. Um, I mean, the the first thing I really think of, apart from NBA Jam, was it's another classic arcade, but what's two? It's Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Um, because that was such a social event for kids at school. Like, there was a fish and chip shop near the beach that had both Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, and you go for a swim, and then you go up and spend a massive amount of time at this fish and chip shop watching and playing and then dying and then watching the next person take over and it was like it's only two people playing but there was quite often a crowd of you know 10 15 people watching these games play i and, never had and, money to what to play them so i'd watch a britain and like just wish i was playing so I just, <laughs> yeah it was just such a social event 
and and it was back in the day you didn't have the internet so you didn't know the the moves sometimes the arcade cabinet would have the special moves printed on it but a lot of the times they didn't and uh even then in more, in the case of Mortal Kombat they never had the fatalities printed so there was just word of mouth that you knew how to do things in these games you talk about it with friends um around Somebody the schoolyard the right you knew magazine the, and then they got passed yeah. around that's it. You block up up was Scorpion's fatality at jump distance. You know, all those things that will be forever wasting space in my mind <laughs> that could be used for something important. But no, I know the Mortal Kombat fatalities, uh, from, from when I was in year, God knows what, six or something. Um, and, and that was truly like a social event and it was something you talked about when you weren't doing it. And it was, it was such an amazing experience and, and it's always with kids and I've got an arcade machine of my own and I get such great joy watching the boys playing these old games, my boys playing these old games and having an absolute blast. We play um, Puzzle Fighter a lot, the Street Fighter puzzle game. And that is such a cool game to play against each other. The whole family can play. My wife plays, everyone plays, even though my wife doesn't play video games at all and she jumps in and, and enjoys that one. So that kind of arcade experience is something that... that, that is missing these days for you know they, they just don't exist so yeah. the one the one fighting game i actually want to give a shout out to um of all things is fucking towerfall powerful we don't it was that's i believe on, it was an ouya game to begin with oh right game. oh yeah okay yeah that's kind of and like, it's got like part angry birds part tetris sort of thing no no, no it's the one with the shoot, uh, shooting arrows like you've got these arrows okay. with like these light physics and it's got the dinkiest like 2d graphics but like just because the arrows are a finite resource you have to like pick them up again after you um get and there's something perfect about it being three player yep this is very unpredictable chaos the first couple of times i played it i hated it but once i clicked with it that and i just had two friends over so it's kind of like perfectly lined up that Couple of mates and beer is maybe the most fun I've had with a fighting game, despite yeah. all the way more technically accomplished <laughs> options that are out there. Yeah, um, you know when it comes to like co-op, well, not co-op specifically, but local, local multiplayer, local multiplayer games. There's there's always a few categories. There's like the competitive stuff, like NBA jams, the fighting games, and you know obviously you can go into your subgenres of whether it's a sports game or a fighting game or whatever. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> and then you've got your Halos on the other side, which is like the cooperative stuff, um, yeah. where you where you work with a friend or multiple friends towards something, and you know again your subgenre is first person shooters, that sort of thing. One of my one of my fondest memories is playing both um was it Marvel Ultimate Alliance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, Those the kind of early three sixty. The early three sixty action RPGs yep. with um with uh yeah Marvel characters and then you know you do your super team up moves and that sort of thing. So you know that type of game or um I really have very fond memories of um Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played a lot of that too with friends. That was really cool. Because it's that gauntlet kind of... It was gauntlet but deeper. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Gauntlet but, but more. Like you're yeah. working together. You're doing like cool moves. You're holding somebody's down and you've got to save them from the from the hordes. Um, and, you know, those are always very, very treasured memories of mine. Uh I haven't tried the recent Dark Alliance 3. 
we had a lot of fun with it when we reviewed it. Um, it's janky as hell. Um, but in four-player co-op, like Paul, Jess, Stephen and I did a video of it actually playing four-player. And we had an absolute blast playing that game. Um, like, it, it's yeah, it's got its problems, certainly. But Bad games can was, become good with friends in the right dynamic. Yeah, it's- absolutely. I think so. And this was one of those experiences. It was just, you know, it's very simple. So I think... When you get four people in a in a game, keeping things rather simple is is key. A lot of times, if if things get too complicated, things get messy. I think, and um, the the simplicity that kind of is a letdown for single players uh, becomes a, a a positive when you've got four people playing the game. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and it it's uh, it, it's definitely much much more fun with with friends though. So. Yeah, those that games that give you the- just enough to do and something to talk about and that you're all focused on, but not yeah. so complicated that you need to keep on explaining to the other people exactly what exactly, you're doing. Exactly, yeah. You know, that's the sort of thing. I mean, uh, the other the other thing with uh, uh, kind of this multiplayer experience is there are games that are actually single-player games that become multiplayer games by default. Uh, the one that strikes in my mind is Crash Bandicoot. Um uh, even in the latest Crash Bandicoot game, there is a multiplayer mode where you swap controllers between... You know, we played Life for Life in Crash Bandicoot, mm. uh, and we've done that ever since the original P- PlayStation release. I will we did say, it though, last. when I first got into games when I was, like, eight years old and I saw two players in the back of the box, and then the two-player mode frequently, literally, was a pass... Or not even pass the control. Sometimes it's still actually be two controls, but taking yeah. turns... <laughs> <laughs> well, the what kind of Mario bullshit game. is that? Like, <laughs> but I like they become that. You know, you've got to beat everyone's. Uh, you know, if you're the person that gets through that particularly hard crash level, and you know, you get bragging rights or whatever, and and they they're a lot of fun when you pass the controller around. If you have a few, drinks I think it just uh, helps. Um, the inherent problem with crash and a lot of games like that is it gets very frustrating if you die numerous times in a real difficult thing and having a couple of other people to pass it around with yeah takes that stress off everybody exactly and it becomes it becomes a laughing point instead of a, a frustration point i guess you know um there was one of the player two charity marathons where jen uh was skiding about how she got further than everyone else in this level and then immediately died as soon as she skied. Oh, <laughs> and you know and that's just quality you know you just can't buy that sort of <laughs> that sort of laugh <laughs> Um, also another big one worth mentioning, uh, and, and, you know, it's a classic that's died, but, uh, and that's Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Like, I feel like we're going to see a resurgence of that at some point. I, I hope so. I hope whenever this Microsoft deal goes through or whatever happens there, that, that one of the, one of the big winners out of that is Guitar Hero comes back. And I say that the big problem is I don't think anybody wants to continue relationships with retail any more than they have to. Yeah, and that's the big uh-huh. problem with this stuff. Although, speaking yeah. of something watch retail, when that shit was big, I fucking hated those because they took up so much of the stockroom. <laughs> Lit- you could literally <laughs> fit 50 games in the space that, like, one Guitar Hero would, like, take up. Yeah. I, I still have my Rock Band Beatles because I, I, I maintain that's the best of the Rock Band games. I've got my Rock Band 4 kit from the... Xbox One, I never got I to play like full Rock Band, and I'm kind of like bummed mm. about it. I it's just did. so good. It's still supported. Like they still release new songs for it to this day. 
I'm crazy. holding on to my PS3. I have to be. I mean, I haven't plugged it in for ages. I still holding on to my PS3, and I've got my Rock Band Beatles occasionally. When I'm feeling particularly maudlin, I yep. would um, pull it out and strum strum along to I don't know. While my guitar gently weeps. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That was exactly the song I was thinking of. I couldn't think of the title. While my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. Absolutely. It just sort of like hum along. Oh, I mean, this is not co-op, but you know, I, I've had the pleasure of actually setting it up and having like a full team of people yeah. playing with the drum and the and the, and the and the guitar. I would love. I would definitely have loved to have been able to do that. But you needed to know the right people in the right place yeah. as well. Like it's a very oh. difficult one to. We did it one year for Christmas, where we had like all my cousins and stuff here, and we're all you know been on the source for half the day. And rock band became the most amazing Christmas activity ever, with you know drunk people singing and playing guitars and, and having just a grand old time with you know badly performed versions of Pearl Jam or. Or the offspring or something. <laughs> was You're just still alive, yeah. <laughs> and it was just so good. Like it really is. There's, it's a really hard to describe um, to people that haven't experienced it, kind of the joy of this kind of communal, kind of out of nowhere gaming session that just kind of naturally occurs, and and as a result of you know everyone being in a joyous mood for whatever reason, and 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 all of a sudden the games come out, and it just is so much. Well, fun. the and maybe most perfect one is one that I've ironically mostly played online because it came, it did become like a monthly COVID tradition for a bit, which would be yeah. the Jackbox series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those games literally just exist to facilitate people yelling shit at each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in much the same way, things like Cards Against Humanity exist to just get people no, talking I mean, smutty yeah, the, shit. Yeah, yeah, Cards Against Humanity is you're not playing Cards Against Humanity, you're playing each other. And like that's kind yeah, yeah. of the genius of it, is it's yeah. just It's knowing it's your crowd. Just, <laughs> it's just a bubble where everybody knows you're gonna be terrible people and, and it's just a bunch of terrible icebreakers, just one after the other, just Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no, you don't know, Jack. Well what are they up to? Ten now? Oh, God, I don't the thing is, it doesn't matter. Like, I've got yeah. three or four of them that I've acquired through different means, and, like, they don't get old. I've still no. not finished all the shit that could come up in a round of fibbage. Like, it's... I think I bought them all. There was a Humble Bundle with, like, the first eight or something in it. Like, I probably got the couple that I have through Humble Bundle, but, yeah. like, TKO never gets old. Like, it's... Quiplash yeah. is, like, forever... Like, there's so much stuff there, I don't know, I I guess some people maybe get to play it more regularly than I do, but like... Yeah. I still haven't seen it. And it's also everything. the sort of game that anyone could play, too, so... Yeah, you, all you need is a um, smartphone, or yeah. a laptop, even, technically. I actually just use another... When I'm playing online, I just use another window on my PC. I've got a drawing tablet, yeah. so it's kind of like... Um, speaking we- of PC stuff, the one thing I, like, I kind of missed from a decade ago, when I was like that one year I was living in South Korea, was you'll like... PC gaming cafes, or just the PC bong. Yeah, the got, like land cafes I got three co-workers into Left 4 Dead too. Yeah, nice. Oh man, local Left 4 Dead too, and like, and this place is like, these places would be like a dollar an hour, and you could get. I mean, it wasn't good, but you'd get like free coffee with it as well. And it's kind of, yeah, literally, out we would finish work at like nine o'clock in the evening, and like just grab something to eat, and then just go straight there for two hours, and it was 
Well, a similar situation, like, and I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but when I was an exchange student in Chile and I didn't speak Spanish um, when I first got there, it was an interesting choice of country to go to. But anyway. Easiest um, language to learn, though, so is that. It, it was good. Uh, we had an internet cafe that had PCs and, and consoles and that set up, and a lot of people didn't have the money there to buy a new console, so you had these places set up where you could go and play them for, you know, 100 pesos an hour or whatever it was. And um, that became like a real real communication tool for me uh, with with the kids at school. We'd go and play FIFA or, you know, in South America, FIFA was big, um, or, or Command and Conquer or something like that at this, where where language all of a sudden wasn't important. Like, I knew how to play soccer, they knew how to play soccer, we knew what we were doing. And, and it became this real way to connect without the the, the English language to help me. MBHM so um yeah. have been better. Sorry? NBA Jam would have been NBA better. Jam would have been better. <laughs> we did play that at the arcade, but yeah. <laughs> and Mar- Marvel vs. Capcom had just hit the arcade, so that was always Ooh, a big The first one actually had four one. players as well. Yeah. yeah. That's something it didn't hang around, which is kind of a bummer. Like, don't Yeah, the tags with it. Yeah. Like, Marvel vs. Capcom, maybe, I don't know, fighting game hardcores can fight me and probably win. But, like, that <laughs> series should not be, like, there to be taken seriously in a tournament setting. That... No, that's just to be that ridiculous. That series and should be ridiculous and, yeah. and nuts, and four players should always be there because who cares? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, they're like the, the power of, I guess, this multiplayer couch gaming is it can, you know, literally transcended language for me. Um, and, and, you know, once I did speak Spanish, it, it, it stopped becoming, you know, a way to connect and it became just what we did with mates and and yeah it was it was very cool i guess uh one of the things that um makes a, a really good uh sort of experience is accessibility um we've talked about it a bit hmm. during this you know the games that anyone can play uh that that you know halo halo that you said command and conquer earlier <laughs> no that that was that was on uh yeah over there on the pc cuz you know it was kind of competitive but um, when you're playing with family and, and, you know, your parents or, you know, f- friends that don't play games and that, and you want to get them involved, that, that accessibility is really important. Um, you know, we spoke about NBA Jam and things like that. What other games do you think? Like recently, I think of the Overcooked series, um, you know, where you want to hate on people. I like, think <laughs> any, I think a big part of it is any game that like is openly ridiculous. Cause the thing that can kill this is if you have that one person there who's just too competitive for their own good or, yeah. or gets too stressed about it and it just sucks the fun right out of the room. Yeah. Um, so that's why stuff yeah. like Overcooked or, um, Moving Out. Boy, I had fun writing that review. <laughs> <laughs> By yourself. <laughs> like stuff that's intended to be built upon failure or, you know, just that's why the blue card exists in Mar- blue shell exists in Mario Kart almost, I think. It's just even like, out. At the end of the day, you're just goofing off and having fun more. That's why Wii Sports was also so good at this shit, actually. Like, yeah. Wii Sports was a yeah, really good game. Like, that console was a weird thing in the end, but... Yeah, I know. Wii Sports really captured a, something that hadn't been captured before, I guess. Um, yeah, really like, made it available to everyone. Yeah, like, people understood you swing the thing and the ball gets hit. If, and it, it didn't... Ha- and it wasn't perfect, but it worked, and that's all it actually needed. In fact, if it had been too precise it probably wouldn't have been as good yeah it wouldn't have been as fun people would have taken it too seriously i guess 
Um, something Nintendo understands really, really well. <laughs> one of the, one of the franchises I always uh, think of with uh, this kind of simple approach is the Worms franchise, which I'm yeah, uh, it's, you know, like. That was something that almost anyone could grasp within. Oh, they two they can. I can give you a story yeah. for this. Um, yeah, cool. A few months ago, I think probably is still a little bit cold. So yeah, first half of the year sometime. My fiance and a couple of her friends, for whatever reason, they'd like somebody give them access to or whatever, like a just a fancy apartment, like in the center of Osaka, like with like nice view. And she took my switch. Yep. And I'd actually downloaded a couple of like free games, like Chocobo Racing or something that I thought would be like really simple that I might be able to do. And I was actually looking around thinking maybe I should buy the Wii Sports that did come out for Switch, yep. and then I did. I don't think I found it, or maybe it wasn't quite out yet. Um, but it was definitely in the mind at the time. But um, and I stayed home and just played um, the very excellent late last last Metro game. Point out. Yep. But definitely not for sharing. <laughs> no, no, no. But That's a solo experience. She and her friends. None of none of whom were gamers, and none of whom had ever played it before. Played yep. wor- whichever version of Worms I have on the Switch until three Last or four o'clock in the maybe. morning. Yeah. WMD, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like they figured it out themselves and just would not stop playing. Because it's super fun. It's easy. And I think ridiculous. It's- I think you probably could be really, really good at it in a way that ruins the fun for everybody else. But you would have to be so good. Yeah. To, like, counter all the random shit that could happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously you're better at aiming and taking into account the wind and things like that with the weapons, but then they'll use a concrete donkey and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, but I imagine them learning to play with each other. They did not know what any of the weapons did or anything, so probably yeah. the first time they used the holy hand grenade or whatever, they were just, like... <laughs> and it goes probably falling no over each other and laughing. It's like they don't even get the Monty Wright Python reference, most likely. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, there is also uh, one more kind of um, thing that I would like to touch on, and it's kind of a new-ish sort of experience, and, and that is here. the kind of FMV horror game, oh, like okay. Until Dawn or. Yeah, or uh, the quarry recently. Supermassive have kind of made Manamadan, which we played. Yeah, we played together, and that is a that is a um, great. Yeah, um, yeah. Until dawn, we played together as well. And I imagine if I had like friends around, especially at Halloween, it would be a great because I even have like actual multiplayer now, where it's like it's on a time sync or something, and like different players control different characters. And also, uh, they have modes where, you know, everyone kind of selects an answer and it'll, you, can you know, popular pick vote. and choose and, yeah, popular vote, that sort of thing. And, and you can do it streaming and stuff. They'd even allow that. So, yeah, they've really leaned into that kind of party atmosphere. And, you know, that makes sense. These are schlocky horror experiences that are, you know, right in that B grade horror movie that you used to watch with your mates and having beers and pizza and and now they're interactive versions of it uh, so it doesn't even have to be horror i mean there's a certain thrill to it when the characters can die but like any kind of adventure game yeah until dawn you're talking Um, talking through um or just puzzle solutions together if it's like a narrative-based thing actually works like that surprisingly well i think uh, people were doing it with like the telltale games as well so yeah, just kind of yeah, playing together and like, working out the solutions. and Yeah, we did that as well. I would drive and yeah. she would have a heavy say in, you know, what you actually said or decided to do in any given moment. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so there are, yeah, these games that kind of maybe weren't intended for multiplayer that have become multiplayer over time. Did I miss anything? I guess we tricky tower, tricky towers, tricky towers. Yep. Yeah, tricky towers is probably the best Tetris, <laughs> Tetris adjacent game if you are playing for fun with friends. Yep. I, I always say that like Gem, um, Super Puzzle Fighter. That's amazing. Uh, for the Tetris stylish of uh, a block falling game. It's it's closer to columns probably though than yeah. Tetris, isn't it? But yeah. It's definitely still a bit more like I mean Tricky Towers is literally shit just falls over. So it's- <laughs> yeah. I feel like Tricky Towers has been at every PAX ever in some form. <laughs> I'm sure it was there at this PAX too. <laughs> it's way better than it should be because it looks like a dumb flash game. Like it looks like a crappy Facebook thing and then you play it and it's like going, this this, this clicks or something here is like right on the money. Ken, did we miss anything from your past that you want to talk about? No. Uh, no. I don't think so. I'm trying to think actually more of like more more um, recent games, but I can't think of anything at the moment. Yeah, and that's kind of where we're at, isn't it? There's doesn't seem to be a lot of focus on sitting down with your mates and and playing games. Oh, Even I, the racing games these days are online only. I think some of the goofy, the goofy ones. I think it's like that. If it's also streamable, I think is kind of like the. Yeah. Cash split screen. I guess it's like it's probably a lot of work to optimize a game in split screen, and it's probably a lot easier to. I say probably because I definitely do not actually know for a fact. Yeah, but yeah. it's probably oh, easier I get that to feeling put the too. net code in there than it is to like. One of the most recent that continues to do split screen and do split screen really well, but it's certainly more on the complicated side of things is Gears of War. Um, hmm. They've all had it and they do it really well, but it's the sort of game that you can't get just some random to play. You, you kind of need someone that knows what they're doing. Um, and you can't be drunk either. Quite work. Um, I had a disappointing no. go at... I had a friend around a couple of weekends ago. We were playing Try and 3, and it's like, oh, this just isn't actually working as well as I'd hoped. I no. spent many... I've played a couple of Try and games before, and always thought, this must be amazing in multiplayer, and it's not. No, no, it's like the old um, Lost Vikings game. It's better to control all three than yeah, it's like, just the one. Yeah, this is actually too much work. We have to coordinate too much, and we just want to be able to like play it and talk shit at the same time. Yep. Um, I later later realized that that Earth Defense Force game that I had installed had co-op, and I actually bet a game like that would be fucking amazing. And I yeah, wish I'd noticed. I, I'm sure the frame rate goes down to like ten frames a second or whatever, but in that context, I don't think it would matter. Serious Sam was always a blast in co-op, like because it's just that ridiculous. Just shoot wave all the big wave. crazy shoots coming yeah. at you. Switch through your weapons as you run out of ammo, <laughs> and just keep killing. <laughs> Actually, just briefly mentioned that um the, def- the defining one for my um, primary school days would have would definitely have been Mega Drive Sonic Two. Yeah. Um, I think it was Final Fight from uh no Double Dragon for me because we had it on the PC and I played that with my brother a lot. Together. And then when we got our own Mega Drive Golden Axe. Golden Axe, yeah. All right, then. We might leave it there. Now, I teased uh, at the start of the podcast that this was for a reason, and that reason is Player 2 Charity Marathon is coming back. Uh, it never went away. It's coming back. It, it, it kind of had a break for two years. Uh, well, there was COVID and all sorts of shit going on, and and uh, it, was, it was getting hard to organize, but it is back. Uh, we are actually 
going to be the major sponsor of one Gregory Mitchell, uh, who's competing in the Corporate Special Forces Challenge. Now, for those that don't know, the Corporate Special Forces Challenge last year was similar to that SAS, stupid SAS show that was on telly. But in this instance, we're raising money for the Terry Campisi Foundation. Last year, it raised $180,000 for the Terry Campisi Foundation, which all goes to disadvantaged children programs, um, helping to break the cycle of people that are in, you know, pretty shit situations, really. Um, and these kids... So, for a little bit of context, the last year we took 20 kids uh, to Lara Pinta in Darwin to do a trek uh, with their mentors. Um, those 20 kids, of those 20 kids, 19 of them for them have now found apprenticeships. Um, hey. That is a super high. That is very high. That's a very high. Attach yeah. Um, so it, it's a whole them. program that these kids have to do. They have to commit to training. They have to commit to learning. And the mentors have to do the same thing as well. And so th this money goes to funding all those flights and training and gear and everything that goes into running this program. Um, and this year it's even bigger. We're going back to, uh, to the Kokoda Trail. So we're going to take some kids and do the Kokoda Trail with them. So uh, that's what the money's going for. And uh, Greg Mitchell, who happens to be my brother-in-law, is doing the Special Forces events, and Player 2 will be the major sponsor of Greg. And that's how we're going to fund it, with the Player 2 charity marathon. Uh, so it'll be the first week in Feb. We'll be have a whole bunch of silly games. I'm going to have a few videos leading up talking to Terry from the Terry Cambesi Foundation, talking to Greg, talking to a few other of the competitors in the Special Forces Challenge while we play video games and, and you know, talk about the importance of the event. So that'll, that'll start going up in January and then we'll have prizes and Xboxes and games, I'm sure, to, to give away. So keep an eye out for that and uh, this is the first official announcement of it. So thank you for joining us all for this episode of the Pixelcast. Tim. Yeah. I was going to say, are we, just not, uh, are we just not pimping Twitter handles now? Because, my God, is that site well, going to exist in a who couple of months? Who knows if it'll be even there when we put this podcast up? Uh. <laughs> I think it'll probably survive that long, but I, you could have very legitimate questions about, will it be there next, <laughs> next year? episode. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm... I, at PretendBeard on the Twitters. I've actually already gone and registered at PretendBeard at co-host because I figure, you know what? It's probably better to have this like it's some sort of alternative just in case. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. ICQ will come back. Yeah. I don't know, maybe... maybe. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I would be very nostalgic if my phone just started going, uh-oh, every time I got a message. Ken, what about you, mate? Are you uh, still hanging around on the musky tweets? Yeah, put them yeah. up. Man. I mean, <laughs> that's 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 where I've got my most established following. Yeah. But um, <laughs> look, chances are if I move over to like co-host or Mastodon, I'm, I'm, I'll be down in the tens and twenties in terms of followers. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just I, too deflating for your ego. Very, de <laughs> very, very. I don't think I can take that hit. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me at Pixel Hunt on Twitter. Uh, I've got a bunch of player two video, player two plays videos up recently. I've done Dark Tide recently. I've done uh, Forever Skies as part of the Steam Next Fest uh, festival of demos. I did, I think, Hypercharge Unboxed. Unboxed, yeah. yeah that's currently live. There's a few more in the pipeline uh, that should be somewhere in. 
Yeah, they'll be they'll be coming down soon. We've actually blessed with quite a lot of video content sitting there ready to go whenever. So yeah. So we built up a bit of a bank of things, which is yes. nice. That is uh, very nice. Yeah. So that's that's it. So follow me on um, on Twitter and keep an eye out for my works on the uh, Player Two YouTube channel. And of course, you can find me at Huso eighty one or Player Two AU. I've got uh, System Shock a preview. Uh, I've got a Dead Island. By the time this goes up, I'll also have a Dead Island two and Scars Above preview go up and hopefully a Valiant review. So I've got a busy, <laughs> busy week. So keep an eye out for all of that stuff all over at Player Two. Did anybody get lunch with Sonic Frontiers? Yes. Uh, well, this is going up after Sonic. So I've played it. Uh, Stephen reviewed it. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that will be up by the time this comes up, and you'll be able to see a discussion video yeah. with myself. And well, the game comes out, I think, within a couple of hours, actually, of this yeah. recording. So, yeah. why is it? Just-